0: Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great writers for ATQ, Tristan Holmes. How you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Hi, Hi there, internet. I'm Tristan, Dr. Holmes if you're nasty
0: uh it's great to have you um we've uh, hired uh some new writers for the uh the this uh, season and the new season uh began uh, or at least the football season anyway uh we're going to be talking about it uh throughout this podcast uh your first article for the site um was about the history of oregon and portland state um it goes back quite a while. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I would call it a rivalry, but um, uh, both of the universities sort of have proud traditions um, uh, in the state. Uh, why don't you talk about it a little bit?
1: Thank you. Uh, yeah, when when I first started doing doing this article in particular, I had had this idea for a series when I came aboard that uh, for better and for worse, this is Oregon's last season in the Pac-12. So it's going to be our last year seeing football rivalries with a lot of different schools. And so I wanted to look back at the series history, probably with a bias to more recency, that recency being during my lifetime, because I have Vivid memories, both good and bad, against pretty much every school in the conference. And so it occurred to me that there's actually a history with uh, all the non-conference opponents, though with Texas Tech, it's only a home-on-home in 91-92, so we're just going to skip them this week. But with Portland State, there is a history. Obviously, these are two schools in the same state and they've only played each other five times or rather it was it was five until this saturday this, that was the sixth meeting and the first meeting didn't happen until 1994. and that surprised me a little bit i would have thought that perhaps these schools would have played each other just because they were you know only 90 miles away from one another or perhaps you know back during the earlier years but digging into it that actually led me into a little bit of the history of portland state university itself which is actually pretty interesting. Uh, that might have been the, the coolest part of the article, besides, you know, learning that uh, Portland State was also a, a place where the run and shoot came of age. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but the university actually started off as, they called it Vanport College, in a town that, unfortunately, is no longer there anymore, and for some pretty... Unsettling reasons, believe it at that. There's a link in the article yeah, the, if folks. The want The scars
0: of the Vanport that. floods, you know, still exist today in, in Portland. Um, I mean, both physically and you know, emotionally. Like whole neighborhoods, you know, were wiped out. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it was scary.
1: It, it, it really was, and like a lot of folks, even who grew up here, I didn't know the history of Vanport or the disaster or the Very messy aftermath until actually, I think it was less than five years ago, I simply happened to be listening to the radio and a story came on about it on the news because we had hit an anniversary. But the short version is that uh, a a blue collar community was built in between Portland, Oregon and Vancouver, Washington on on an island in the Columbia River. And so they called it Vanport because it was almost halfway between the two cities. And it was meant to house industrial workers during the war years when there was a lot more shipbuilding going on in the area. And then after the war, a lot of folks left, but uh, a lot of folks actually came back. And you had a lot of veterans with gi bill benefits and at the time portland was actually one of if not the largest metro area in the united states that didn't have a four-year four-year college available to it and so they took some of the space in vanport and created vanport college and just started from scratch and then in 1948 a levy broke and the entire town was submerged And it wasn't rebuilt. And a lot of folks, uh, there were, unfortunately, far too many fatalities. And then there were a lot of folks who were without homes. And one of those entities that was without homes was Vanport College because there wasn't a Vanport anymore. So they got moved into old shipbuilding offices in in around what is now called north portland and eventually changed their name to portland state college before finally moving downtown into what had originally been lincoln high school and they've expanded down there ever since and portland state technically has a larger number of students than either uo or oregon state though the proviso being that it's a it's an urban college. A lot of those are non-traditional and or part-time students. So that gets gets disputed sometimes. And as far as the football goes, they've been playing it uh, since before the flood, back when they were Vanport College. And they've been the Vikings since then. And when they started, they were not an NCAA interstate school. That happened later in the 60s and 70s. And interesting connection both to this season and to a later opponent that Oregon has coming up is that June Jones, the famous Hawaii coach was actually a quarterback at Portland state. Oh yeah. Under mouse Davis, one of the originators of the run and shoot system, which we'll get to talk more about when you do your preview of the, of the rainbow warriors in another week or so here.
0: Uh, yeah, the, um, yeah, actually, I've met Mouse Davis um, oh, on really? several occasions. Yeah, he's uh, well, I won't get into the personal um, history because I, I don't want to dox myself. But um, <laughs> yeah, Ma- Mouse Davis is alive and well. He actually works as uh, I mean, it's not hard work or anything, but he does work radio work as the Portland State announcer. Uh, he oh, lives nice. in Portland. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's one of the originators of the run and shoot, you know, offense. He's one of the the, the brain trust guys. Yeah. Portland, Portland State holds an an important uh, place in the history of the evolution of uh, modern college offenses, because the run and shoot there, there are run and shoot fingerprints all over what we think of today as, you know, the modern college offense that like Mm -hmm. 80% of schools run um and it's so sort sort of like spread yeah yeah like it's so ubiquitous that it doesn't even really have a name um Mm -hmm. like yeah run and shoot concepts are all over it um and and, you know as such like you could you could think of mouse davis um and you know portland state june jones you know and then june jones is not just hawaii it's usc um Mm -hmm. and, and pete carroll uh yeah it's all over you know that dna is all all, been interspersed all throughout you know today's college you know football and mouse davis is alive and well and i've had beers with him like you know that's fantastic we 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 you know we've talked about you know college football and and it's like it's not really the offense that portland state you know runs today and actually Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest we're getting a little ahead of ourselves you know with hawaii it's not even though timmy chang is coaching that team and like they talk about it as being run and shoot like they, they've it's, diverged i know it, man sure. it's like they, they don't really do any of the rollout stuff they don't really do any i mean there's very few choice routes like mm-hmm. i mean other other than like what i've been talking about the sort of like the, the very basic you know uh, sort of a little bit of the backyard football stuff like um you know, on that sort of like DNA, you know, you know, being dispersed, you know, just like open up the offense, you know, let, you know, let, let the receiver, you know, there's some choice route stuff, you know, but beyond that, like, nah, man, like even Hawaii's not really running the, the run and shoot stuff because Nick Saban mm-hmm. solved that in, right. uh, in, in the late nineties at Michigan state. Um, but anyway, boy, you're really getting our set her head results schematically. Yeah. For anybody who's curious, Mouse Davis and Portland state has big, big, you know, impacts. In fact, you know, when it gets down to Houston, um, there are several standing NCAA and NFL, uh, records. And when I say Houston, I mean both the Houston NFL and the Houston NCAA teams, um, which had, you know, run and shoot off shoots, um, uh, that, that come directly from the Portland state brain trust. Um, that Houston, uh, quarterbacks, there are several standing NCAA and NFL records today that are held by Houston quarterbacks, you know, running run and shoot systems. Um, because it was so prolific and unstoppable, um, during, you know, the eighties and early nineties, like the, just like defenses could not stop it. Um, and that'll, you know, yeah, Portland state, Portland State was the genesis of that.
1: It was the genesis of all of that, and that was one of the most gratifying and at the same time kind of frustrating things about this project. Because for most of our listeners, if you've only been paying attention to college football for the past 30 years or so, and that you know, that's a lot of us you wouldn't know any of that because you just don't hear about Portland state. They're not an FCS powerhouse. Uh, they, they did have the one really big win in 2015. They're best oh, two of them, but yeah. Yeah. Were there two? Did they? Beat yeah, they beat. They beat Didn't, Mike Leach. I, I they in Wa- beat Mike Leach in Pullman. Yes. Yeah.
0: So the history is okay. So Nigel Burton, who's a former uh UW guy, and now mm-hmm. is like and a color commentator yep. for the Pac-12. Um, I don't know what he's going to do next year. Uh, but anyway, Nigel Burton was their coach for like from 2010 to 2014. His mm-hmm. offensive coordinator was uh Bruce Barnum. Um Nigel Burton kind of runs that program into the ground um yep. uh uh although I don't actually think he was a bad coach he just like didn't have the resources but anyway right. oh, um yeah. So yeah, they they fire him and they promote uh Barnum to be the the head coach. That the first year of that is 2015. He starts out with a bang. He beats mm-hmm. Mike Leach and Pullman, um. Although that's largely because Mike Leach like never prepares for his opener. Um, <laughs> yeah, especially
1: if it's an FCS team. Shot in Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, beats me. May rest in peace, I guess. Anyway, the. Uh, Don't want to speak so, too well of
1: the dead. But
0: So then like two weeks later, uh, a dude rolls down to Dallas and beats North Texas, you know, which oh, is an FBS right. team. So, yeah, um, dude, dude wins two FBS games in the same year, which I think I'm not positive about this, but I think he, he's the last FCS coach to win two fbs games in the same year and is uh, and is still a working fcs coach that is his program has not since been like promoted to the fbs like jmu did it but now they're an fbs team you know what i mean yeah so um so anyway uh uh, yeah so like they go like nine and three they 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 go to the fcs playoffs and they lose i think in the first round to you and i i forget who it is they lose mm-hmm. to. anyway um so it's like a really good season for them yeah and then every subsequent season has been a losing season they mm-hmm. they don't have any other fbs wins it's like they never recaptured what what they did in that first year and it's like and it, it, it's kind of sucked for Portland state ever since like, like Bruce Barnum's kind of a pugnacious dude. Like he gets in kind of scraps with other coaches. Like some of them are funny. Like, I mean, like really yeah. funny, like, <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, and then he, he had like some really like, uh, I'm not going to repeat them, but like, you know, there's some headlines about some personal, yeah. uh, matters which are like not, cool um you know about the the dude and then like the 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 soccer teams uh you know the, the professional soccer teams the timbers and the thorns effectively like kicked them out of providence park and so and since that's Pl- just kicking
1: them while they're down that's yeah so since a tw- huge complaint
0: since 2018 they've been playing in um hillsborough yep. stadium which is like it's not like i've been to hillsborough stadium like several times it, it's not like a terrible place to take in a game Um, it's just like, man, for a commuter school, as you alluded to, like Portland state, like it, it was so cool to, it was so cool to hop on the max and, and, and go to the game and and then hop on the max and go home, you know, like, cause like you weren't in the car, you know, like you could. You could have some drinks, you know. Yeah, you know what exactly. It was like, I mean, it was you, you it was make like the urban. It, it yeah. was like it was like the urban, you know, football experience. And it's like I am not doing that going to Hillsboro. Like, I mean, there oh. is a train to Hillsboro, but like, forget it, man. Like, I am yeah. not doing that. Um, I mean, I'll take the train to Hillsboro, and I'm not getting drunk on the tr- that train. Like, <laughs> um, it's <was> just like <laughs> that. That's that's a recipe for like <laughs> getting lost in Hillsboro. Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, like. Uh, and on top of that, it like, so such a pain in the ass to do the film study on mm-hmm. like night games in Hillsborough because the fog rolls in. And it's like, I'm not kidding about this. Like h- half of their games were just completely unusable because you couldn't see shit. Like, yeah, I don't know how the players, the yeah. you couldn't see the players on the field. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just like, it was like ghosts running around. I mean, in some ways it was like eerily beautiful, but, um, but like that's not what you're looking for in film studies. So it's just like, yeah. dude, Portland state has really just been getting kicked since like 2016 to until now. So like for this program with this like super proud history, that like rose from the ashes or whatever the water version of ashes are. Um, and, and like, yeah, man. And it like, has this like super like important place in the evolution of modern college offenses and, Oh man, like to be like, you know, and now their modern, you know, existence is playing in a foggy stadium and losing in historic fashion, you know, to Oregon, it's just like kind of my heart breaks for these guys, you know?
1: Absolutely. And not to get, again, this is more of an off season topic. We've kind of tried to make our peace with this, but I was really pleased – okay, we'll go the long way around for this. I was really pleased with the reactions and the comments we got to the article because we had some former and current Portland State fans talk about the kind of experience you're talking about, where it's – we get a downtown urban – football sporting experience for a reasonable price. And oh, by the way, there's like five micro breweries within walking distance of yeah. the stadium. Yeah. And even after, you know, the sort of Genesis of the run and shoot era, there was still success when they were playing in division two. I remember sure. when I was much younger, I would read the physical copy of the Oregonian sports page. And I was actually very closely following one year when they played Texas A&M Kingsville in the playoffs. And then 1996 comes around, and they make a jump up to Division One, and they're in the big sky. And the big sky includes programs such as Montana, uh, Eastern Washington, at first Boise State, Montana State has, has come on lately, even as Montana has faded a little bit.
0: And that's oh, a tough road. Montana's though. a good program. Like...
1: At Montana Montana for I mean, a Montana long time. Montana beat was Washington rich. in Yeah, they're man. better than those guys in Seattle. A, at least never for forget, man. <laughs> never forget. Never forget. Go Grizz. So that's a tough road to hoe. I mean, you could argue uh, probably the toughest conference you'd say in FCS now is the one that oh, has yeah. North Oh, yeah. No doubt. State I mean, they definitely were State last State year.
0: Like, was, no yeah. question. I mean, they go back and forth with, like, N- Missouri Valley, Ohio Valley, but, like, yeah. last year, yeah, no question. Yeah.
1: So you get that where they, there's the jump up in competition, and aside from one really energized magic year with the coaching change, they haven't been able to to meet that competitive level. And then you just get the stadium situation. And, you know, unfortunately, there is a movement which isn't realistic because football pays for the rest of the athletic department. I think if you if you asked a lot of students, they'd probably say we'd really just rather have the other sports and not have a football team but you have to have a football team to have the other sports. They've made
0: big investments in their basketball program. Like they built them a Mm -hmm. new arena that is on campus. And like, which is like, I mean, for an urban campus, like a basketball arena, you know, you can fit that, you know, in and, and like make sense and actually the basketball program not bad you know but like I mean you're never you know for for just like I mean ticket revenue and fan interest like alone I mean like programs that like at the, the you know at the power five level that you think of as basketball programs like Kentucky Kansas Syracuse etc like All these programs that you think of as basketball programs first and and football programs like second or third, you know, like I bet those programs lacrosse programs, you know, blow their football programs out the water. Nope. Order of magnitude more revenue coming in, you know, from football, you know, like football can be a joke at certain schools and still wind up pulling in, you know, way more money. It's just like, it's not even, it's not even close.
1: And that, that's just the, the reality of it. And, you know, I, I feel bad admitting that sometimes because football is my favorite sport and I, Mm -hmm. I follow other duck
0: sports. you're a basic bitch is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I'm a basic bitch. I'm a basic American sports bitch. Uh, what, (laughs) what can I tell you? And, you know, you you get in this situation and that's why, you know, you've got these hard work, this hardworking team from a school with a with a proud tradition, even if it's a little out of date now, having to get up at 6 a.m., get on a bus, go to Eugene, get their butts handed to them for three hours and drive back. And oh, by the way, your reward for going through all of that is you get to go to Wyoming next week.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: have fun in Laramie, guys.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And not like that's an easy out. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ask <laughs> Texas Tech about that. Yeah. <laughs> Texas Tech. Uh, yeah. We'll be talking about that one a little bit. Uh, yep, <laughs> A little bit later this week. Uh, when we record our second podcast for the first time ever uh, in the history of this podcast, we're, we're going to do two in a week. It's like two a days, but like a week and also not difficult um uh but yeah uh uh i, I mean honestly like i just like portland state you know honestly mm-hmm. like it's a it's a program that i enjoy i enjoy doing the film study per uh, uh project about them like um uh, you know for all of his foibles i enjoy barney ball um mm-hmm. as they call it and, and like I, I really like the their quarterbacks, Asheray. Like I, I went out of my way to like you know note uh, you know all the you know that he was like the best athlete on the program and it's like y- you know and that showed. Three- yeah and like my preview of the team i was like you know here here's all the ways that like sash is gonna you know hurt you and, and like the ducks better have a plan and then you know it comes right out it's like the two biggest plays that that portland state have are both you know him running the ball on a scramble and then the designer and, and like the designer you know i put it in my review article uh well i'm getting ahead of ourselves because we're I'm going to talk about it in the second segment, but it was just like, yep, there it is. <laughs> it's like, I t- told you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, film studies, no joke, man. <laughs> but it's like, I don't know. It was, it, you know, it was enjoyable because it's like, yeah, it was, you know, the, this, the, the, it's it, like P- Portland State, you know, they went four and seven last year they went four and seven because they're in a really good conference you know Mm -hmm. and and like they beat eastern washington you know they you know they they played two fbs teams one of them was washington um you know they had a lot of good plays against washington honestly they they had san jose state on the ropes frankly like they should have beat you know san jose state um you know honestly you know i kind of thought that that Barney mismanaged the clock there at the end of the first half. Um, they they missed out on scoring at the end of the first half. They had scored. They probably, uh, you know, would have won that game. And then it was real funny, you know, against the Grizz a couple of weeks later. It was like he learned his lesson, you know, uh, and, uh, and it was like, OK, we're going to get the points this time. So then he, he gets, you know, at the end of the first half, you know, he's got the ball, you know, he's, he's driving to the red zone. He's like, OK, you know, we're going to take the points this time, uh, you know, but then he gets a couple of penalties. And he gets backed up and it's going to be like a 54 yard, you know, field goal. And he's, you know, he's like, no, 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 no we're, we're going to take the points. I learned my lesson, you know, and, uh, and so, you know, he sets up to kick this long ass field goal. Right. You know, and what happens, you want to guess what happens, Tristan?
1: I'm trying to remember. I think I saw this. Was it blocked or was it a kick six?
0: It was a kick six, man. It
1: was a kick six. Of course.
0: It was a kick six as time expires uh, uh, at the end of the first half. And just like the team comes out just like demoralized in the second half. And like Montana, you know, which is a good team, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like just sort of runs away with it, you know, in the rest of the game. But it was just like, oh, man, you've got to be kidding me, you know, like all, and all of this stems from like the first week of San Jose State having them on the ropes. It's like, you know, that's what you know when you don't have a bunch of blue chips on your program you don't have like you know a bunch of stuff like going your way like yeah things can snap like that like um it doesn't like it doesn't mean that you're a bad team with like bad players you know on uh, like it means that like stuff can snap and like yeah, man. I, I don't know. That was the other thing that I, I sort of like took away from from doing the, the the film review of this game against Oregon was that like several of the things that I noted when doing my preview of Portland State, because like, I you know, they hadn't played any games in 2023. Right. Like I right. had to go, you know, entirely on the 2022 film. And I was like, okay. You know, they're going to be missing, you know, all these player. you know, player, this player that they relied on and this player that they relied on and this player that they relied on and given that they basically, you know, their recruits are all walk ons, you know, like, you know, that the, you can't count on, you know replacing them, you know, with great players, you yeah. know, that, uh, you know, so they're probably going to be deficient in those positions, you know, just like odds on that's probably what's going to happen. And so, you know, you'd expect them to be taken a step back, you know, in those positions. And then, you know, that did happen at a couple of them, but at a couple mm-hmm. other, you know, positions, actually, they did replace them fairly well. And so, you know, that was actually the conclusion and like the accountability section of my article. I was like, actually, actually i'm sort of thinking that this season for portland state not like i i don't know if anybody's going to care about this i always sort of care about like oregon opponents like how they how they wind up doing by the end i like to look back and see like hey how'd you guys do uh um i sort of think the portland state's gonna have a better season than four and seven like they did last year um in mm. 2023 because like i sort of think that they patched I wasn't expecting this, but I sort of think that they patched some of the holes that I was concerned that they were going to have. Um, and like, I'm kind of pulling for them, man like this for like reading and Tristan, I must say reading your article was part of that, you know, sort of reinvigorating my cause it had fallen off. You know, when they moved to Hillsborough, I sort of like stopped caring about them. I care about them a little more now. So yeah.
1: Well, there you go. Portland state. You've got, uh, You've got the whole the whole um, the whole duck community pulling for you, the whole flock. So, you know, go make the playoffs.
0: All right. Uh, Let's take a break. Uh, When we come back, we will uh, talk about the actual football game uh, played between Oregon and Portland State. So uh, let's start talking about how Oregon's offense uh, performed on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. Any surprises for you, uh, uh, Tristan?
1: I think probably the biggest surprise was we saw them come out throwing the ball a lot, or at least it seemed that way to me watching the game live. I know you've got some comments on that. I'll let I'll let you make as we get further. But you know, you think you come out against a lower division opponent and. You're a program that for a long time has prided yourself on the difference between us and the rest of the Pac-12 is our offensive line. And that is how we are going to separate ourselves from the middling teams here and move into the upper tier and compete for the championship. And you think, all right, let's just we'll run we'll we'll run standard zone blocking. We'll rotate the backs. We'll just shove them down the field and go in there. But no, they came out firing. And uh, Bo Nix looked great, as he has most of his games when he's been healthy at Oregon. I was a little concerned on the first series. They got into third and seven, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, you kind going to go three and out on the first series. But then, of course, uh, Nix finds Troy Franklin and for the conversion, and the rest of that is is pretty much history. One of my biggest concerns going into this game is not in terms of athleticism this game, but just in terms of experience, there are some new starters on the offensive line. And so you're never quite sure if everyone's got their assignments down or if you're going to see a bunch of penalties. But we didn't seem to see a lot of that this game
0: yeah no penalties really i mean not not until like garbage time uh not until garbage time i
1: think that was one holding penalty on a wide receiver if i remember yeah yeah
0: and it was like late late into garbage time yeah it wasn't like anything on the, the line yeah uh yeah very clean game um uh I I mean the most concerning thing for me at least on the offense was like you know Noah Whittington I mean it was like literally the you know because because Portland State got the ball first and so Oregon kicked off to them and Noah Whittington is on the kickoff coverage team and he you know when he was running down like he you know uh, one of the portland state block it was actually kind of like a a bit of a scrum was like two players two oregon players you know were coming to the same point and like two portland state players were hitting them both at the same time and it was just sort of this awkward you know thing and and it's it kind of looked like his upper body or even like his neck got involved i was weird like it was it was kind of difficult to see yeah and so like then we just didn't see him for the rest of the game but on the other hand it's not like oh go get the stretcher or whatever you know he jogged off the field, um, right? So and, so, and it is
1: uh, it is the first. Game of the year, non-conference FCS opponent. It, it, yeah. They were probably playing it a little safer than they might later. Yeah.
0: In. So, like, I mean, there was a bunch of, like, you know, like Chris Hudson, for example. You know, there's we're going to talk about a bunch of them on the defense in the third segment. But, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's a couple of them for the offense as well where I'm sure it was just precautionary. You know, like Chris Hudson, for example. There's no reason why Chris Hudson wouldn't be playing except yep. for a precautionary holdout, you know, like mm-hmm. that um because i mean it's not like oregon needed like every you know everybody at full strength you know to to win this game comfortably um i mean the thing you know speaking of the passing you know offense you know the thing that struck me is like you know what i was really watching for you know the, the thing that i was like attuned for was the rpo game because like you know when i back in the i guess the winter you know i can't remember when exactly i wrote that article i was like. You know, March or, or February, I think. Um, when I wrote the article about Will Stein and I did all that um, uh, 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 UTSA film study, it was really, it was interesting because you know he took over the the offense at UTSA. I just like briefly re- recapitulate here. So UTSA had a particular offense in 2021 um, that was like really like run oriented. Um, Mm -hmm. so so then he takes over in 2022 and it's like extremely different. It's, it's very short pass oriented, you know, not really running, not really RPOs, not really, uh, deep shots, you know, like the, the 2021 offense was like. Run and play action deep shot, you know, kind of like old school football, like run, 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 deep action, you know, deep play action pass, you know. So he his was like none of that. It was like just a bunch of like quick hit trout, quick hit trout, quick hit trout, you know, like n- mm-hmm. no setup, no preample just like quick, quick throw, quick throw, quick throw. It's like what is this? I don't really like this offense, you know. And then about like maybe like five, I forget when exactly. It wasn't exactly the halfway point. It was a little before the halfway point through the season. The offense like changes. He starts running the ball a lot more and then behind the runner, a bunch of RPOs and, and it's like, Ooh, this is different. You know, I like this. I like, this a hell of a lot more. Um, and what I notice is that the, the offensive line personnel is quite different, you know, and I finally, you know, when I finish up my film study, I, I contact, um, Adam Chimeo, you know, who, who, who does a lot of work for the site, uh, still is our, our glorious editor emeritus. And I'm like, you need mm-hmm. to schedule us a podcast interview with the express news beat writer, Greg Luca, cause I need to ask him some questions. And, and, and Adam arranges that and I s- sit down with Greg and, and he's like, oh yeah, you know, the offensive line was super banged. To hell, and they kept getting worse throughout the year. And so, you know, this was like all, all of this, you know, really clicked. Um, and so, like, what essentially Stein presided over at UTSA was changing over the offensive structure. Um, it, it was Two different changes between three different offenses because of how his offensive line, you know, health was like. And it was like, actually, you know, I really like how he like rolled with punches there. He didn't like try to like fit a square peg into a round hole, you know, like so many offensive coordinators oh, yeah. that I see are like, I only know how to do one thing. So I sure hope my personnel is capable of doing that thing. Cause if they're not, well, I'm going to try to do it anyway. And, uh, Oh, it didn't yeah. work. Well, Oh, I got my ass fired. Like, you know.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately a lot of those folks have tended to end up in the PAC 12, the past, yeah. you know, five to 10 years. Well,
0: I don't know if it's unfortunate or not. Cause we're <laughs> sure, on, like, gets uh, to take advantage of that. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or the, the conference blows up. I, who knows? Uh, yeah, anyway, and, the, know. um, the uh, yeah, but Stein was not that way. He was like, Um, well, what I want to do isn't going to work, so we're not going to do it. Um, we're going to do what is going to work with this personnel until the offensive line gets healthy. Uh, oh, they are okay now. We're going to do the stuff that I want to do. Uh, which is like, Oh. Oh, an adaptive person. I like that.
1: Someone who is willing to fit what they're asking their players to do to what their players are able to do best yeah. and build on that. It's kind of like, oh, I kind of like this yeah. in a coach. Sure, bring him on.
0: But even then, the quarterback that he inherited, Frank Harris, um, who who's a decent quarterback but wasn't as good as his wide receiver. Like he genuinely had like three NFL wide receivers. It's like a crazy thing for UTSA to have. Um it's just happened to be the case um which is why the initial offense that he he had to work with was like well this is how i'm going to solve this problem i'm just going to you know quickly throw the ball to these like super talented wide receivers um so anyway like uh uh uh, you know, Harris couldn't really even do like the full range of the RPO stuff that he wanted to do, like multi-level RPO reads. And so I was like, mm-hmm. well, I'm really curious to see what Stein does with Nick's, because like Nick's is like the RPO quarterback par excellence, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what is Stein going to do with Nick? So that's, that was really, this has been a, a long preamble to like the thing that I was really locked in on is like, what are the RPOs we're going to see Stein do with Nick's now that he's got like a real big boy offensive line a real big boy quarterback and real big boy receivers and tight ends none of which he's really been able to operate before and none of which he's been able to like hit the ground running with you know with game one you know um and so like that was like yeah i was really focused on that um now having and Uh, sure enough, I, 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 I got a bunch of treats and all of those things are in my article and I spent a long time breaking them down. I mean, like each of those, like, like, like play breakdowns or like mini paragraphs, man. (laughs) I
1: remember I write them all.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, I sort of was like, am I writing too much here? It's like, ah, screw it. I'm doing it anyway. So, uh, uh, so anyway, 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 um, having said all of that, you're right. Uh, When you said like they got into third and seven and then Nick's just flung it to Troy Franklin. And actually that repeated at a a couple different points. Um, It happened um, on the third play of the first drive. He flung it on just this quick in route to Troy Franklin. It happened on the, uh, the third play of the third drive that that clip is in my article Um, when he flung it to Tez Johnson on a a quick little slant route. Um, It happened on the, uh, let's see if I can find it. Um, it happened on the, uh, fourth play of the, uh, sixth drive. Um, it happened on the, uh, uh, second play of the seventh drive. Um, uh, we're deep into garbage time here. I can find a couple mm-hmm. more examples where it's like, um, contrary to everything that I just said, I noticed went on like a five-minute rant about Will Stein and the RPO. Um, but actually, their bread and butter, like their bread, their you know, the RPO is like the real fun stuff and like the mm-hmm. real, just like really mess with the defense, you know, the face melter stuff. But the like, oh, I I need to pick up like seven yards. Um, hmm. You know what I'm gonna do? Uh, n- Bo Nix has like an, an absolute cannon and, uh, these wide receivers can't be covered. Um, so I'm just going to have him run this like intermediate route, uh, uh, you know, uh, against these linebackers, uh, um, who, who just can't handle it. Um, and he'll fling it faster than those guys can get into coverage. And, and it's like the zip that Nix is putting on those ball. I mean, it's like, when I say a cannon, I mean, like, I don't think you can fire a cannon faster than Nick's is able to fire those balls. I mean, he's rocketing those things to, you know, to those guys. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something Ducks fans play. have
1: been, that's something Ducks fans have been spoiled with. I
0: mean, and, Herbar, and even accurately. Is, I mean, like, oh, I, yeah. And I mean, like, look, man, I don't want to rehash this too much, but like, you know, in 2021, when Oregon had Anthony Brown, like Anthony Brown was not a terrible quarterback. But one thing that was obnoxious was that was that, you know, frequently drives would stall out because the relatively common, okay, it's third and seven. You need to complete that little slant pass. so The drive can keep going. He threw the ball inaccurately.
1: I, I remember that quite vividly. In fact, I remember vividly. This is the first game I had seen in Autzen in uh, 11 years. I, I was at the Cal game in, yeah. in 2021. And that was the one, the one where, the where offense, fans were
0: booing him because that was it, the one where
1: fans were booing him. And I'm just yeah. looking around like, hey, don't be a hockey puck, guys. Don't, don't be a hockey puck in the words of the great. Yeah, I mean, liberals. I'm not I'm but not i, wild again, about I mean, that
0: high behi- behavior, but I understood i understand. oh no it. you
1: understand the sentiment of course and, and because- so then
0: when nix comes in the following year and, and then you know he's repeated it in this opener you know and it's like oh yeah like of course i just accurately make that pass 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. it's like ah yes what a breath of fresh air
1: yeah, and especially, I, I don't want to keep harping on. I feel like, you know, we spent all that time talking about how we don't want to hammer Portland State. They've been hammered enough, and we're going to hammer them a little It doesn't little really more, have
0: anything but... to do with Portland State. I mean, like, there's uh, not a doesn't. whole lot of defenses in the universe that can do that, that can defend. That can defend even at, at the that... power five level. Yeah. 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 When you combine a a pass of that speed and receivers of that talent, like they just get into position too fast and the -hmm. the pass is delivered too quickly for any defense to to get in that lane. And like it could be Portland State, you know, it could be Ohio State, you know. Yeah, but
1: another thing that I definitely noticed is that uh, Oregon's ball handlers were definitely able to break a lot of tackles this game, and some yeah. of that is that Oregon does have really good skill right. players. I think they're particularly deep at wide receiver this season. We saw oh, some yeah. of that. So there's got to be is, you know this tackles, is probably
0: the most but... talented group of wide receivers that Oregon's ever had. Like period, full Top stop. Top to bottom, I would agree. You know, with that. it's hundred yeah. plus year history. Yeah
1: absolutely but there was one specific clip and i think you noted this in your article where uh ferguson caught a quick pass and looked like he was going to be stopped at the line of scrimmage and the he just bounced off the defender
0: yeah it wasn't a quick pass it was an rpo play and i, and I was oh, actually that's criti- right. was- yeah i was actually criticizing nicks or actually i'm not quite sure uh, i i was actually thinking about it a little bit after i wrote where like it's possible i wrote that i think that nicks either hastily made the throw or just neglected to do the second component of his read and just threw the ball immediately instead of doing the trot out that he's supposed to to get the safety to make a decision but it's possible that in this game he was just instructed just never run Bo. even if the normal play design has you running just don't because we don't want you running uh in this game um,
1: yeah, we, we don't need your legs to, to beat this team so, so save it Glenn. so
0: if yeah. so so even if that gives the defense an advantage because they're uh, you know on that play they they can make a b line for the tight end you know what I'm pretty sure that, uh, Mr. Ferguson can just run over that safety. Uh, <laughs> and that's what happened. I mean, like I was so funny that poor little safety, like, and, and no, I, I shouldn't make fun of him because like, I actually like that safety. I specifically singled that dude out in my preview mm. article as a, he was a young, cause like Portland state lost all of their here. Hold on one second. Uh, Or, or, yeah, he he was, he was, yeah, Shakir, I wanted to look him up. He was, uh, Portland State lost all of their safeties um, uh, for their starting safeties at the end of last year. But I specifically wrote in my preview article that, like, I actually liked their younger safeties better. And he was a dude that I singled out as, like, I like that dude. Like, I liked him better than the the starter that he was behind. Um, And then, you know, Ferguson ran him over. And I was like, yeah, well yeah because i like ferguson even better you know better i mean yeah and like and also for ferguson a guy who uh we were wringing our hands all summer long about like is this dude going to be healthy and Mm -hmm. herbert a guy who came in 2019 and has missed like a lot of time with injury and we're wringing our hands for like three years about his health status and like yeah they spent all game trucking dudes so like okay that's okay yeah
1: so, yeah, that's fine. They're looking good at tight end, and, you know, Stein's offense generally hasn't used more than one tight end at a time. I think we saw some double tight end in this game. Actually,
0: not just some. I mean, out of the 24 meaningful plays – uh uh, Ten of them used uh, or nine of them used two tight ends and one of them on the goal line. He used three. They got Sadiq in there. In fact, Sadiq threw the key play, the, the key block uh, for James Grunin for the touchdown. I mean, it was a one yard touchdown run, but still, you know, he threw the key block. Oh.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, Stein's got new toys now. He, yeah, he's got multiple tight ends that he can put on the field and give him some versatility. That he so might yeah, not back have had back back stops. to the point
0: of like Stein isn't necessarily wedded to. Well, I only know how to do one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about how Oregon's defense performed against Portland State. So the thing that we should note uh, off the top is there were several players that we were expecting to see or we expect to be in the you know rotation, either as starters or like primary players in the rotation um, throughout the season who were held out in this game. Um, you know, probably for precautionary purposes, uh, you know, just not necessary and why risk it, you know, why, why risk aggravating, you know, uh, what is probably a minor ding, but then they don't tell us, you know, these things, you know, they don't, you know, uh, um, um, and, uh, uh and then I've subsequently seen some practice reports that indicate that like virtually all of them were, you know, in, in full gear, uh, and, and, and practicing, you know, uh, on, on the day that we're recording this, which is Tuesday. So like, uh, you know, I expect to see, you know, Oregon to be basically full strength, you know, against Texas tech on Saturday. So like, um, it does sort of complicate, you know, matters for personnel evaluation, because not only were, I think we were seeing, you know, not exactly, the players that we're going to see um but like i also think that it's possible that some guys were playing like not the positions that they're going to be playing um although like that then that the question is well where will they play and i like i'm not quite sure so like all of this like there's asterisks and grains of salt all over you know for the defense um so having said that uh what'd you think Well,
1: this was probably the matchup I was more curious about, because I remember when Lanning came in, you you did a deep dive on Georgia's defense, and we got to learn about the mint front, and the philosophy that, and I'm going to oversimplify, and please correct me when I inevitably get some of this wrong, but the basic principle is... We need to, the pass is what gives you explosive plays, and that's what leads the opponent to get points, so we want to stop the passing game before we worry about the running game beating us. So the idea is, you use three down linemen, try to get them to spill any runs that come their way, so that way players in coverage can come down and clean up on the running plays, and then... Deploy as many defenders as you get in with the pass. But last year, the defense, they had some really talented linebackers, one of whom Noah Sewell is now in the NFL and one of whom has transferred to Arizona and we'll see if he ever reaches his potential. But they weren't natural coverage guys. And so there was sort of this, well, we're kind of half in, half out with the mint defensive philosophy. And so I was really curious to see if some of the personnel changes they made in the offseason, if I could tell, oh, the gap assignments are really different this year. And I confess that at game speed, you know, I'm, I'm still working on this now that I, I'm working with ATQ and I'm trying to write articles, but my eyes at full game speed, I, I, I couldn't tell. But then I read the breakdown. It's like, no, there is a lot of mintiness here now, especially in the way that they're playing
0: RPOs they're they're definitely mintier. I mean, I I definitely noticed some I I don't want to exaggerate. I sort of feel like my article did exaggerate it a bit because Mm. it was sort of like, look, man, you know, uh, if I were writing a truly representative article about. Uh, a team that just limited their opponent to seven points and i think like 52 yards or something you know like it would be like oh they just slaughtered them like here's play number one where they slaughtered them and play number two where they slaughtered them and play number three where they slaughtered them and it would be you know boring And, and sort of my you know my job is like here's the areas where they could work you know on some stuff and so i sort of like i feel like i maybe heightened a bit in a way that's not strictly speaking representative Um, some areas where I noticed like I I don't I didn't pick stuff that was like cherry picking like I I did find things that were like I, I noticed this more than once like it, you know, was, you know, uh, uh patterns, but, you know, mm-hmm. still it was like, it wasn't like, oh, this is happening all the time. You should hate this player. You know, it was like, hey, you know, uh, of, uh, in a game in which they did, you know, 98% uh uh, uh, correctly here was the two percent you know and by two percent it means this these this happened more than once like yeah you know like because what else on that one drive yeah like what else are you gonna write about you know Mm -hmm. so 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 that's what that you know that was about and yeah and to the extent that it was anything it was like you know to to to, to, as you say, it was like, this isn't minty enough, you know, Mm. like this is, this is stepping down on the run when no, your job is to play the pass, you know, and, uh, um, and, uh, you know, or this is, you know, letting your eyes get caught in the backfield, um, instead of like, you know, playing agnostic. Um, and, uh, and so like, you know, but that's, that's not, they're not talent problems. They're eye discipline problems. And eye discipline problems mm-hmm. can be corrected in an hour, you know, whereas, like, yeah, that's oops, what the meetings that guy's not for. big yeah. enough is something that can't even be corrected in a lifetime. So, right. like, you know, it, yeah. it doesn't worry me. You know, mm. if I can write an article about it, it's not something that worries me.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, overall, again, uh- not to beat a dead horse here, but you know, just given the resources of the opponent, you don't want to say this is the second coming of gang green yet. But there wasn't too much cause for worry, at least yeah. not after we saw the full game. Now, Damn. I can tell you in that first quarter, I think a lot of us were, you know, the chainsaws that have been playing in our nightmares mm-hmm, over right. the past couple of over the past few months were playing a little bit on that one drive.
0: That and and when you consider in that first quarter, you had a bunch of dudes who you have to th- you figure are starters who weren't pl- like, you know, Justin Jacobs wasn't on the field. Evan Williams mm-hmm. wasn't on the field. Brandon Dorlis came in in the second quarter, but he wasn't present in the first quarter, which I still have never seen an explanation for. In fact, I haven't even seen like Oregon's beat reporters, you know, ask a question about it, which was crazy. Uh, yeah, that was that was weird. What are you guys doing? Why is the film reviewer the one who's, who's uh, actually? I do know the answer to why it is the film reviewer is the one who knows these things. But anyway, um, the uh, uh, yeah, so you know, all things considered, you know, yeah, when when Oregon's at full strength, I I expect them to be at full strength. Um, it, it, the 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 one to me, the thing, one of them. I guess both of the surprises shouldn't have been surprises to me. So my bad, um, the two surprises were Jordan Birch, who I spent all this time from the moment he announced his transfer up until the like first defensive snap, uh, thinking that he was going to be the new weak side. OLB, um, which is where mm-hmm. the, like the pass rush comes from, you know, it was like where DJ Johnson was playing last year. Um, And then like his weight numbers come out and i was like he was playing at like 275 for south carolina but that was in a four down front where he had to set the edge and like that's not what he's going to be for oregon he's going to slim down to like 260 and be a pass rusher and then his weight numbers come out and he's like 290 and uh he he's officially listed as a defensive end and i'm just like oh oh oh." they're exaggerating his weight numbers and de that's just a holdover label he's still an olb like i was in denial about this Mm -hmm. right so then what do i see on the tape i i see oh no he's actually a defensive end he's playing four I. he's inside the tackle. And he looks, he's like, an a he yeah. looks like a defensive end he looks like and he's definitely like 290 is not an exaggeration like if anything 290 might be uh underselling it um like he's real big um And, uh, and so, yeah, man, that dude's not a edge rusher, like not even a little bit. Is that dude an edge rusher? Um, I don't know why they did that. I really don't. It's not like Oregon's hurting for four eyes. Um, it's kind of like, to me, it's like insane. It's an, like, I don't know why they did that. Um, uh, like I, I, the, 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 to me, the. The, the only happy explanation that I can come up with is that they are so pleased with their freshmen, um, uh, Matteo Uyanglole and a Marion mm-hmm. Winston and Blake Purchase, um, playing OLB, that they're like so happy with those guys as edge rushers, uh, you know, blowing up, you know, the, 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 the tackle and getting to the quarterback that they're like, oh, no, you know, let, let's have Birch bolster the four eyes, um, uh, you know, and may, maybe that'll be the case. I mean, we had a pretty good game and i I think and i do think the purchase is going to be very good um uh uh but like oh man for this moment when those guys are are true freshmen um i sort of like oh man i don't know about that decision like i i i guess we'll find out um i guess we'll find out um but like at this point like I, i really don't think they're gonna like oh shoot let's have a jordan birch like slim down to 260 uh by next week like here's a bunch of miralax like um, Uh,
1: yeah this isn't the wrestling team i don't think they yeah
0: yeah i really don't think that's gonna happen so like yeah so that was surprise number one um for me and then surprise number two which i again shouldn't be a surprise i I, honestly i should have seen this one coming as soon as he uh transferred in um is uh because it happened after the spring and i was basing my predictions on the spring game it's like that was dumb i should have reassessed um was uh the starting nickelback was not as i thought after the the spring game was not cole martin the true freshman although i still think he will play some nickelback um in fact we did see him doing that um late into garbage time but rather was uh uh, the colorado transfer uh nico reed now at colorado he did not play nickelback he played outside Mm -hmm. corner because they needed him to they didn't have anybody better um uh, um, and so like that was sort of the reason why i didn't see it coming because like he'd never done that before um but like it totally makes sense oregon needs to as part of like the mint defensive philosophy like it totally makes sense that they would want their nickelbacks they want their linebackers to be more like nickelbacks and they want Mm -hmm. their nickelbacks to be more like corners so it's like take every position that you've got and make them like more like pass defenders than they would normally be so like you you know like i said linebackers become more like nickels and nickels become more like corners and corners become like uh, i don't know pixies like (laughs) i mean they're not i mean uh, like like you know jackson was tackling like uh like bridges tackles like i I, mean
1: yeah they still have to hit and that that's as you've often pointed out for Those who like to criticize Bridges, and fair enough, he's not the most natural cover guy, but man, when he hits you, he hits you, and you need corners who can do that. If you're bouncing the ball to the perimeter on running plays,
0: but like, I mean, like I was, I was pretty pleased. Like I didn't get like Jackson was one of the, uh, I'm talking about Kyrie Jackson transfer from Alabama. He was a backup, mm. um, uh, uh, a cornerback at, at, at Alabama. And I just like, I wasn't able to really get quality film on the guy. So he was like one of the very, I, there's only two of them. Cornelius was the other one on the offensive line who's worked out pretty well. um, uh, uh, where just like the quality film that I was able to get on them was not high enough for me to do a, a film study project on those. So even though Oregon took, I think, fourteen uh, transfers, I and I wrote twelve. You know, I wrote up twelve of them. And two of them I wasn't able to. Cornelius and Jackson. And I was like, well, I wonder how they're going to do. Well, it turned out both of those guys were starters, and I yep. was very <laughs> pleased um, with with watching both of their film. And Kyrie Jackson, you know, guess what? You know, dude tackles like uh, Triquise Bridges and he covers like Dante Manning. So like I was, I was pleased. Um, so anyway, yeah, you can uh, see he, why Bama had him in, for a while there. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. So anyway, Nico Reed is the starting corner was a bit of a surprise to me, um, mm-hmm. but it shouldn't have been like, it totally makes sense. Cause he's a you know good, you know, a uh, 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 coverage corner. Now my knock on him at Colorado was dude couldn't tackle um, mm-hmm. at all. Like he's, he's, he's small and his tackle, Tackling form is terrible. Um, uh, But like, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Lorig, who's the safety or the nickel coach, um, will you beat that out of them. It beats me. Uh, I don't mean literally, or at least I hope not. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, he, uh, they, they weren't, Portland State was not really passing the ball a whole lot and he was not really called on no. to tackle a whole lot. Actually, in fact, I'm not sure he actually tackled at all um, in mm-hmm. this game. So like, I still don't really know if he's cleared that up. Um, but, um, uh, uh, so I'm curious, uh, but like, yeah, man, uh, uh, that, you know, that was interesting. Um, but generally, like a cornerification of like i i'm very used to thinking of the um nickel position as like a star safety and yeah. and it may be more appropriate to think of it as a third cornerback now mm-hmm. um, um and so that will be interesting thing, um, to see going forward. I mean, certainly Oregon has a lot of players in the cornerback room at this point, right? Like they've got Bridges, Manning, Florence, Reed Jackson, and then all the freshmen, right. You know, Pleasant and Austin and, and, and Davis and Gill. So like, oh, and, and they had Kamari Terrell, you know, uh, uh, playing nickelback as well, you know, 14, you, you know, he was playing during meaningful play. Uh, so like, yeah, you know, they got to they got a lot of options, um, but then you know, uh, in, uh, in terms of the safeties, like you know, Taishim Johnson playing free safety and not nickel was not a surprise to me. Although it apparently was a surprise to a lot of people. Like I called that one way back when I wrote my article that like Ole Miss was screwing up by playing him at the nickel position because he is not supposed to be playing a quasi linebacker. He's supposed to be playing a free safety, and he did a great job of it. A great job. Um, in oh, fact, that
1: one he, play where he came. Over over from center field and yeah where he uh, bailed the
0: uh, where the... yeah where he bailed bossa out i was like yeah a- exactly I mean, like, because bossa had gotten like, rubbed yeah like i was on a podcast with somebody uh, i'm not going to name names but like i i i yeah i definitely was in was i, I was like man you were so wrong he is not supposed to play that position he's supposed <laughs> to play the free safety position and then you know when lanning uh you know proved me out uh, i was Man, I so wanted to dunk on people, but I didn't. I didn't. I'm just (laughs) doing it on this podcast, sort of, Uh, (laughs) okay. Anywho. um, Well, you know, you get off the lane train and good
1: things happen for you if you play defense, I guess.
0: We did see um, last year's starters um, at the boundary safety position. We saw Mm -hmm. Steve Stevens and Brian Addison. Actually, the other way around. We saw Addison first and then Stevens. I expect, although I guess we'll see. Um, I expect that when Evan Williams returns to the lineup, which I am expecting, um, on, on Saturday that, uh, both Stevens and Addison will sit down and it'll be Williams. Um, and that we're not going to really see shuffling. We're just, you know, it's, that's just Williams job and he just wasn't available, um, against Portland state. And that, so that anyway, that, that ends the surprises, you know, other than that, Uh, and the doorless thing that we already mentioned, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, that was, you know, pretty much it. Otherwise, like, you know, we saw Amavai and Timani. it knows that was expected. We saw Weir Hudson, you know, that was expected. We saw, oh, we saw Shipley playing in place of Funa, which like, I don't know why Funa was out, but like, you know, Shipley's not as good as Funa. I don't know what to tell Mm -hmm. people. Like, that's just true. Um uh yeah uh manning played very well at cornerback which is like you know about time um uh growing into
1: the role as we say might just be a late bloomer
0: yeah so like yeah man i mean i'm really eager to see how justin jacobs steps in when he's ready uh to go which hopefully will be on saturday because like Mm -hmm. honestly i've been waiting for this jeffrey bossa thing to happen for like three years now and i'm just like I'm ready for it to be somebody else. Um, I just like it was not I mean like he's not the worst and I understand why they like his body type for the position, but like I'm ready for it to be somebody else. Like I'm just like I have too many negative marks on my tally sheet for that dude and I, I want and like I just want I, I wanna see Justin Jacobs. Um and like um I don't know, man. Like it was it. Like, I don't know what the second guy's, you know, going to be, maybe it'll be bosses still. Um, you know, maybe it will be Soleil. We saw a bit of him, like maybe it'll be Hill. Although I had some problems with Hill. Uh, maybe it'll be Bryce Betcher, the center fielder. Like, I don't know, man. Um, you know who knows, but like, uh, you know, but like, like Bassa and a walk-on baseball player, um, like I definitely and, and 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 then Hill playing the overhang backer who had some RPO read errors, like, uh, yeah, I think the linebacker position, like, as much as I was like into how mintier the defense got, I was like, um, yeah, this could still improve, like, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, two two sports stars may apparently be all the rage now. Now that you mm-hmm. know, coach Coach Prime is is with the Buffaloes, and it's it's a wonderful story. But you know, I kind of prefer a real dedicated linebacker there, even if they're more of a traditional strong safety type. I mean, re- reading about the Mint defense, I just keep thinking, man, if we could just reach back into 1994 and take chad coda and put him at middle linebacker he'd be perfect here i don't know how we uh,
0: keep him in today's yeah athletes, but. that would actually not be yeah hmm. that's actually an interesting thought <laughs> all right uh uh, all of this will have to wait. Um, like I said, there, there. I mean, there's just so many guys, you know, who are held out for probably precautionary purposes that we're just going to have mm-hmm. to wait and reevaluate when we see what the real, you know, defensive structure is. But like, uh, or the real, you know, uh, personnel is at. But like, we did get confirmation of a number of positions, you know, some of which I, I definitely called and was very pleased about. Some of which I whiffed on and feel dumb about. Um, but like, overall, the, 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 the. Overall overall prediction of trying to to mintify the defense as opposed to going the other way and getting more traditional like oh yeah yeah, that was a hundred percent right. Like they definitely oh, yeah. got like super minty. Um mm-hmm. and, and like and you definitely saw it in Portland State's passing numbers where they just like gave yeah. up. Like they just did not throw the ball um at all. Um, and in no. fact, like I mean, that was really the thing, you know, like like when you were introducing, you know, the concept of the mint defensive structure is like that's where explosive plays come from. Like that's and therefore that's why you want to shut it down. Like, that's definitely true, but there's a second component of why you want to mm. shut down the pass which is that in modern college football um it's also how teams convert third downs um uh, uh, you know like th- they all do it with like those these little hitch routes and like mm-hmm. that was the other thing that was really encouraging to see was that Oregon was shutting down those quick passes um and like it's hard to do that like you have to like really blanket um in order to shut down those quick throws but like Oregon did that too and like mm-hmm. That's hard, like it's really hard to keep teams from converting like quick predetermined throws, which spoiler alert like that's pretty much the only type of throw that Texas Tech can reliably make um like the you know, I know they've kind of got a reputation historically as being this like deep passing team. And I know they've got like some real tall wide receivers that, that folks are like, you know, scared of because they're real tall. Nope. Like they're not productive at all. The, the the only thing that they do are these quick predetermined little hitches. Um, And they sort of like slowly march down the field, except it's not that slow because they, they, they snap snap the ball quickly. But if you look at a drive chart, it's like 15 play drives all all the time because it's like nothing but these little hitches um and like that's what the mint defense is like you know what guys we need to not just shut down the explosive plays with super talented cornerbacks we also have to make everybody else on the team like let's make all the linebackers be past defenders too so that we can shut down these hitches and get off the field on third downs and so like just like when we were talking about the offense and I was talking about how I wanted to pay attention to Stein's RPOs. um, The thing that I was paying attention on the defense was like, how are you going to shut down all these little quick throws? And, and then they did that. And I was like, Ooh, Ooh, which is interesting,
1: which is fantastic to see. I mean, you mentioned that uh, not to get too far ahead of ourselves. That's something tech does a lot. I know last year, uh, you know, there are some highly successful passing offenses, but it's kind of, in the pack 12, but it seems like there's sort of a limited menu. It's like, they're really good at a couple of of routes or concepts. And if you have a defense that is
0: built, that's totally true. Oh Quick, man, high, I can think of like four defensive. different offenses in the Pac-12 where it's like well, Arizona yeah, came to my mind. Arizona, yeah. Washington, even USC to an extent, UCLA to an extent, where it's like, yeah, they're Utah. It's like they're yeah. really good at like three passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so the, it, but it, they're not like a full menu.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, y- you've got. I think especially especially Chip, Chip Kelly's been accused of this for a while, of just like kind of over-specializing his passing concepts, yeah. although he's been kind of all over the place since he got back from the NFL. But, you know, if you have a team built to make everyone a pass defender and saying, all right, even while you're keeping one eye on the run, we're really going to have eight in coverage so we can get as much of the field covered as possible and be ready for this you have the ability to get off the field on third downs and probably a lot of fans feel this way about their team. But I think the numbers back this up. If there have been years where Oregon is just terrible at getting off the field on Mm. third
0: down. Yeah. Hey, let's wrap it up there. Uh, You got any parting words of wisdom for us, Tristan?
1: Uh, You know, in in the spirit of our initial conversation, I will say I was really impressed that Portland State broke in a new center, and I didn't see a single bad snap. I didn't either. Yeah, and I've got a lot of respect for Shashere. I mean, I know he had a rough day passing the ball, but he had guys in his face all day. There was one fourth and six where he sailed a ball to an open receiver, but he had someone, you know, coming coming to throw him into the stand, so I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, but other than that, I'll just say, you know, thank goodness it's football season, and if you want to learn about Pac-12 football and you don't mind uh, a duck-centric lens on it, there's no better place than Addicted to
0: Quack. I agree. Uh, it was a it was a beautiful day uh, in Autzen Stadium. Uh, they got to go down to to Lubbock for the next one, where it's going to be uh, uh, hot and. Uh, and dusty and they're going to be throwing tortillas around. The sun's going to be out. It's probably, uh, you know, it's going to be raining tortillas, Mm -hmm. but it never rains on this podcast.